0: And we're back with another episode of, you guessed it, Engineer On. Now, today's episode is a pretty special episode because it will be the last episode in our Engineer On questions series. But don't cry just yet. I will be doing a bonus episode dedicated to a super secret technical topic. And while I can't quite reveal just yet what that topic will be, I can say that it's likely something you'll find very, very interesting. And I'll break it down so you can show off to all your friends and family. Now, those of you who have listened to my last podcast are probably expecting an episode on time management. Well, there has been a slight change in plans. After that episode, I took a look at the schedule and I took a look at the amount of questions I had left to answer and realized that I just didn't have enough time in the semester to get to all of them if I did a time management episode. So we reevaluated. And today I will be addressing some time management questions. However, I'll be addressing quite a few subject areas as well. So this episode is officially and aptly named Engineer on Everything Else. Okay, so, last episode, I asked you, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be, and why? And I got some really great responses, so thank you all for those. But now it's my turn. So, if I could change one thing about the world, in my brutally honest opinion, the world would be much, much better off without reality television. Now, let me clarify, because the idea... Of reality television isn't an awful one, putting real people on television to show off their talents and to compete against each other. That's interesting, but the not so reality television that airs on today's TV channels, well, that's quite a different story. Now, I want to address this with a with an example. There's a show called Mama June from Not to Hot, and some of you may have watched this. I can't for the life of me figure out what the purpose of this show is i don't like to form opinions without learning as much as i can about the subject so i watched a few episodes i watched two episodes specifically and i really really tried to find something useful in it but i (laughs) failed miserably you can tell the producers of the show are feeding these people lines to force a story onto their lives but let's be real here They're not fooling anyone. I haven't talked to a single person who has seen this show that didn't refer to it as a train wreck that you just can't look away from. And don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing the people on the show. They're normal people. They're leading normal lives. It's not supposed to be TV worthy. But that's the problem. We're occupying our time with this mind-numbing, senseless television. It's not stimulating at all, whatsoever. And I believe that if you allow your brain to turn to mush for a few hours every week, well, that could lead to a pretty boring and unproductive life. I'm not saying you have to do math problems or watch Discovery Channel 24-7, but at least stimulate your brain with a half-decent sitcom storyline. That will at least engage your mind on a slightly higher level and lead to a more interesting life for you. And if we all do that, well... Maybe it can even lead to a better society for everyone. Now, like I said, they're not all bad. Like the the home improvement shows, they're fun. And yeah, there's some added drama there, but at least the core of the show, the home remodeling, that's interesting all by itself. It inspires questions like, what would you do differently? Do you like that choice of rug? Do you like those curtains? It'll let your mind explore ideas that you get from the show and the actions of the people remodeling the home. Your mind, in many ways, is like a muscle. It needs regular exercise to not only grow, not only expand its capabilities, but to maintain its current abilities. So you want to prevent dementia for yourself? Watch something interesting. So I think... To get a more productive and in turn happier world population, we could do without the honey boo-boos of the TV world and flip the channel to something a little more stimulating. Let me know what you think about that one. Am I way off or am I right on the money? Comment below and let me know. Okay, and now the part you tuned in for. The questions. Like I said, these are a bunch of questions in the miscellaneous category, no real rhyme or reason to why they're on this episode, just everything I have left on the list is what I'm going to address today. So, let's get started. This first one's a really good one, and it's a great way to set the tone of complete randomness. Are unicorns real? And the answer to this might surprise you. Unicorns, in fact, do not exist. Anymore. There was a time, however, when unicorns did roam the Earth, and according to the American Journal of Applied Sciences, they went extinct about 29,000 years ago. The disappointing part about unicorns is that they weren't really the mystical rainbow-colored stuff of legends that we all imagine when we hear the word unicorns. They looked more like giant hairy rhinos just with longer legs. They stood almost nine feet tall, and their horns were massive, some reaching about four feet long, and this animal, because of its size, would definitely make you think twice before approaching it. Though, like its rhinoceros descendant, it was a herbivore, so it only had a grass diet. Now some think that the horn actually was mostly used to push snow out of the way and uncover the grass and plants underneath. So contrary to what you probably thought, unicorns did exist, and I encourage you to look up a picture. Just Google the Siberian unicorn and check that out. Not quite what we imagine, but no less astounding. Okay, maybe a little less astounding. Now the next question is probably a pretty common one, and I get this quite a bit. What is a transistor and how does it work? Most of us have probably heard of the term transistor, and we probably even know that it has to do with computers. But what many of us don't know is exactly what it is and how it works. Well, without getting too deep into the electronic theory, a transistor is essentially a switch, just like a light switch that you'd have in any room in your house. The only difference is this switch is controlled by voltage. So when the voltage is higher than a certain point, the switch is thrown. So then the next question is, well, why do we need transistors then? Can't we just turn stuff on and off by turning it on or unplugging it? And yes, we could. We could do that. But what if you want to turn some things on and some things off, but we want to use the same power source? Like in your house, you don't want to keep your blender on the whole time you're watching television in another room. So we use them to distribute power, kind of like that. But power isn't the only application of transistors. Most people have heard that computers talk with ones and zeros, right? But what does that actually mean? What are these ones and zeros? They can't appear out of nowhere. So what is it? Well, for every one or zero that the computer has or the computer tries to communicate with, there's a transistor that turns on and off. So if we want to store the sequence one, zero, one, one, for instance, there are four transistors, three that are in the on state and one that's in the off state. Of course, we really don't have to deal with these ones and zeros anymore because computers are really smart enough to do that on their own, and instead they'll display some useful text that we can understand. Now, that's only a very brief description and explanation of what transistors are, but I encourage you to look it up sometime. Just read the Wikipedia page. The first one or two paragraphs should give you more than enough information for what you want to know. So look it up and Let me know what you learn. The next question I have is a pretty big one. Would a manned mission to Mars be worth it? And especially now, as Elon Musk and his company SpaceX are hopping leaps and bounds in this space travel technology. But let's first talk about what exactly we're risking or what what would it cost us to get to Mars. Well, we all know space travel isn't cheap. A low estimate for the cost of a manned mission to Mars is about $100 billion over the next 30 or 40 years. And when I say low, I mean low. These things have a history of costing far more than the initial estimate. I mean, for example, the the International Space Station actually cost about 10 times more than the initial estimate. Either way, we're looking to spend a pretty good chunk of change on an effort like this. The other factor, of course is the risk of human life. I mean, we all saw the Martian, right? There are countless unknown risks and dangers associated with this. And we've got some really, really smart people working on mitigating these risks, but there are bound to be some that are unaccounted for, especially when we try something like this for the first time. Now, how much can we actually learn from a manned mission to Mars? Can we learn enough to make these risks and stuff worth it? Further, what can we learn from a manned mission to Mars that we can't learn using the rovers and unmanned craft that are already up there? I mean, unmanned missions are significantly cheaper. They're only about $2.5 billion as compared to the estimated $100 billion. And these unmanned craft are becoming more and more capable, especially if and when we start incorporating VR, virtual reality technology. And, to be brutally honest, I don't think there's much promise in the idea of huge colonies on Mars. So, my answer to this question is yes. I do think that a manned mission to Mars would be worth it. Because despite everything I just said about it not being worth the time and the money and the risk, we've not yet attempted a manned mission to a planet that far away. And despite my lack of hope for a large colony on Mars... There are planets out there that do show a lot of promise. And if we're going to get to those planets, well, we have to prove our capability for long-distance space travel. And about that subject, we have much to learn. A manned mission to Mars would really be like a test run. We could learn a whole heck of a lot about our capabilities and what other dangers might be out there that we might not be prepared for when going for super long-distance space travel. So, in summary, no, I don't think there's much we can learn about Mars from a manned mission that we can't learn from an unmanned mission. I do think, however, we can learn a heck of a lot about space travel, and traveling to Mars would basically provide a really good practice field for that, so that we can one day colonize those faraway planets that could possibly sustain human life. Now, here's a question from the time management category. When should you decline an opportunity, request, or event? This is a question that we all battle at one point or another, and some of us even every day. So here are the things I consider before I agree to take on a project or commit to something. Number one, do I have the skills to complete the task or request? This is a pretty simple question. Can I actually accomplish the goal easily? Or do I have to do some research to figure this out? If you don't have the skill set, that doesn't mean you have to decline the offer. It just means you have to put in a little more time to complete it. In fact, I'd say that you should especially accept the challenge if there's something to learn. Now be careful here, because you should also consider the stakes of the project. Does your skill set include enough expertise to perform the job as well as it needs to be done? If not, is this something that needs to be done super well and in a timely manner, Or can it afford to have a few mistakes and take a little longer to complete? You don't want to offer to build a life support controller, for instance, if you don't have any experience with electronics. But if you're asked to build a website for a friend and you don't really know much about websites, well, then this is probably an opportunity for you to learn. And you should, in fact, take this opportunity. The second question you need to ask yourself And this might sound slightly selfish, but it's actually really important. And be honest with yourself. What's in it for me? Is this opportunity worth your time? Are you getting paid? Is this even something you want to learn to do? Are you volunteering and making a difference to the community? Whatever it is, make sure this opportunity is worth the time you're going to put in. Nothing's more stressful than doing things of little or no value to yourself. Now, that's not to say you can't do things for free or out of the kindness of your heart, but just make sure it's something you actually want to do. It's no fun counting the seconds until the day is over. And finally, the third question you should ask yourself is do you have time for it? Look at how many other things are on your schedule and make sure you're not overwhelming yourself and that you have the time to do a good job. It's not fair to anyone if you have to skimp out on something you've agreed to in order to fulfill another commitment. Personally, I tend to say yes to just about everything, because while learning and exploring new ideas, it's my favorite pastime. Building a huge arsenal of skills, that is my hobby. You'll hardly ever see me spend too much time on a single project, or too much time between projects, or spend too long doing the same kind of project. I've always had a huge backlog of things to do, and they're all pretty different. But I am always mindful of deadlines and i'm always honest with people who give me these opportunities about the amount of time i have to spend on it and my skill set and how it applies so when you're faced with an offer or a request consider your skill set the benefits of your project and be mindful of your schedule okay so the next question on my list is what is an engineer's perspective of liberal arts majors such as English, film, art, and music? And my answer to this one is pretty simple. I think these majors and career paths are super important, just as important as the science-based majors like engineering. And I think a lot of my engineering colleagues would agree with this statement. All of these careers serve a huge purpose in society. I mean, think about it for just a second. How different would your life be without movies or graphics or pictures Or without music, it would be a pretty bland society, right? Especially for those who don't have much interest in science or math. Now, in general, and speaking statistically, science based careers or trade based careers tend to be slightly higher paying than most liberal arts careers. And I really don't subscribe to the notion that you shouldn't pick a career based on the paycheck because it is a really important factor when you're trying to pick your career. But I do believe that if you're passionate enough about a certain subject, and you want your life to revolve around it despite the salary, then by all means, do it. That's what we have those majors for. That's why those careers are there. If, however, you are on the fence between a science-based major or a trade school and a liberal arts major like I was when it came time for me to choose a career, well, let me quote a very smart man, Mr. Steve Nafey. Who said, do what you're good at for a living, so you can make enough money to do what you love on the weekends. The truth is, the job market is really tough for liberal arts majors, despite the importance of those careers. So, if you want to keep things like art or writing in your life, and you're even remotely interested in science or math or a trade, well, then I'd go for the more stable career. And then you have some really interesting hobbies that you're probably really good at. But, like I said, if you have zero desire to do anything with science based or trade careers, then don't torture yourself the rest of your life. Pursue the career you want. In any case, try to learn as much as you can about your career, and then be the best at it. Okay, our next and final question is a pretty short one. What are some good movies? Well, first, let me say that I'm speaking only on behalf of myself here, because despite the similarities in how we think and work, engineers do have a broad spectrum of interests. So first, the most recent of my favorite movies is The Greatest Showman, which is a movie musical inspired by Phineas T. Barnum and his adventures in building his famous circus. I know the word musical might turn some of you off, but I encourage you to give it a shot anyway because it really has a fantastic score and it's performed by an incredible cast starring Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, Zendaya, and a host of other very talented and established Broadway and Hollywood actors. Aside from the on-screen talent, though, the show really has some incredible messages and takeaways. The most obvious of which are probably... Everyone's beautiful in their own way, and you're only limited by your imagination. And I think these are portrayed in a really elegant way, not the annoying and in-your-face way that we so often encounter at the movies anymore. So I recommend you check that one out, The Greatest Showman. Let me know what you think. And I'll end, of course, with a classic. It's about 23 years old, The Shawshank Redemption. I could watch this film over and over again. For those of you who have never seen The Shawshank Redemption, first off, shame on you, go watch it now. And second off, it basically follows two men uh, played by Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman uh, during their time at Shawshank Prison. I think this film really captures well the struggles people face inside prison and how people change over time. Finding redemption for their crimes through decent acts and helping others. Every time I laugh, I cry, this movie is definitely worthy of its number two spot on the IMDb Top 100 Movies of All Time list. So, if you get some time, watch or rewatch these films and let me know what you think about them. Well, that just about wraps it up for Engineer On this semester. Now, don't forget, I will release one more bonus episode on May 3rd where I'll discuss a mystery technical topic. So keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening and submitting your questions. I had a blast this semester, and I hope you had fun too. I'll likely be picking this back up after graduation. So, so please, please, please feel free to think of some more questions of things you want to know. Again, you'll hear from me in about two weeks. But until then, engineer on.